now listening to a Real Media Network production. Alright, three, two, one. Ahoy hoy. <laughs> I said one. Yeah. Three, two, ahoy hoy. And welcome back to Come About, a minute-by-minute rewatch podcast of Titanic. Here we are at minute 108 of the film. I'm Mike Brace and I'm here with my wife, Jenna. Hi. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hey. What's up? Ahoy. <laughs> uh, yeah. What What happened this minute, Jenna? <sighs> Not a whole lot. <laughs> Not a whole lot. Um, so, you know, in the last minute we talked about Mr. Andrews, how he's just walking around amongst all the people who are not panicked, and he's just, like, kind of in disbelief. And so he enters into the, um, where the grand staircase is, which is where Rose and Cal are, and he's just looking around and he starts to make his way up the stairs when Rose stops him and, um, you know, she says, please tell me what's going on, like, I saw we hit the iceberg. And I can see it in your eyes, like, yeah. tell me what's happening. Yeah. And so he says, um, Titanic will sh- uh, sink. Yeah. I was going to say ship. <laughs> the Titanic, Titanic will, will ship. sink. Um, <laughs> and he said, you know, within an hour or, or so, so um, all of this will be at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And... Cal is kind of listening, and he's like... What? Yeah, he's in disbelief. He's like, this ship? Mm-hmm. Um, so then he... <laughs> Mr. Andrews tells Rose, he's like, please, like, tell only who you must. Like, shouldn't you tell everybody? Yeah. Um, he's like, this I don't want to start a panic. Yeah, I don't okay. want to be responsible for a panic. But if the ship is going down in an hour... Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe start to, to panic a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, he's like, tell only who you must. And he's like, get to a boat right away. Don't wait. He's like, you remember what I told you about the lifeboats, don't you? And she's like, yes, I understand. And Cal's like, huh? Hmm? He's yeah. oblivious. But so she knows, like, there's not enough lifeboats mm-hmm. for even half of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cal that, knows there's enough for the good half, though, or the <laughs> yeah, the better half, the better half, the yeah. half that matters, or the half that says something like that. Yeah. Um. So that's where the minute ends. Hmm. Yeah. Not not a whole lot happened, but again, yeah. some good acting uh, mm-hmm. all around. Again, that's pretty good. Um. Good acting is good. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Do you? think so too yes <laughs> you Sometimes. agree with such i like some statement? bad acting oh uh, yeah Love that's true too. Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
You're tearing me apart, Jenna. <laughs> okay. So, um, what do you want to know about? <laughs> Everything. Do you want me to go up? Uh, I'm going to go up to... Um, I think I alluded to this timeline before there's this timeline. I don't know if I want to save the whole thing for when we're done, but it's the uh, a timeline of the final hours of the Titanic. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to go through it all now. No. I'm just about to where I think we're about timeline-wise. Okay. Um, and I've mentioned it before, so it does start off with the morning that... Captain Ed, uh, Edward J. Smith canceled a mm-hmm. scheduled lifeboat drill. Not his best idea. Um, sure that that could have helped <laughs> later on that very day. Uh, yeah. So yeah. at 5.50 p.m., after receiving iceberg warnings throughout the day, Captain Smith changes the Titanic's course, heading slightly south. However, the ship's speed is not lowered. Why is he heading slightly south? Maybe he thinks he's clearing... Icebergs? Yeah, like he's going... Okay, he's going to go a bit south because maybe the iceberg warnings were coming in slightly north. So it's like, well, if I go a bit to the south, I should miss them. Okay. Presumably. Um, Plus, right, yeah, it's so... Like, the more south you go, the less chance there would be icebergs, right? Because... Some warmer water. Yes. Uh, nine forty p.m. So, um, wait a second. Can okay. I ask you a question? Sure. Really? I don't see why not. <laughs> okay. So, is the rules kind of more like loosey goosey for ships? Like, if you're in an airplane, mm. you can't just be like, I'm just gonna go a little bit more this way like you have to be pretty on a um, strict flight path. yeah and you have to be in constant communication with um um don't tell me okay <laughs> uh air traffic control okay is that there sure no what's yeah, it called i think so okay um with those people and, like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to log everything and whatnot. Yeah. Is there... It might um, be a little more strict now, but I doubt it's even still as strict as... Because there's better, you know, equipment and, like, uh, sonar and, like, radar, I think, you know? So, like, you can tell if there's another ship coming and you can just get a little... Oh, okay, like, so airplanes are so strict so they don't hit other planes. Yeah, and, and you know... Uh, yeah, I think so. That and, like... You can't just fly over any no. land no. as we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. us personally. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just as saying, like, you know, airspace is, yeah. like, yeah. owned by... The air's owned yeah. by people. And you can't... Yeah, exactly. And then, like, uh, you know, um, transcontinental flights have to be... <laughs> Oh, no. You don't know what that means? Well, I'm guessing flying from many continents. Yeah, like between continents. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Transcontinental flights, um, it can't just be a direct path, right? They have to, like, make sure that they're flying over 
different islands just in case they do need if there's an emergency they can mm. land like so there's little tiny mm. islands all throughout like the Atlantic and the Pacific and you know a flight will never just go right from one side even yeah. though the you know perhaps that plane might be capable of doing that they mm-hmm. always route the flight so that you know they're always within I don't know however many mm-hmm. you know Within always something distance. to land on. Yeah, always something like that they could <laughs> land on uh, yeah. pretty easily. And that's why, you know, like a flight will take longer. But they have to route all of that stuff and make sure, mm-hmm. okay, there's there's a plane going from, you know, Canada to uh, Spain, right? Or something. Mm-hmm. And it's somewhere in Europe. But, like, it'll it's not going to fly directly to that. It's going to go. And then, you know, if there's a plane going, you know, from vice versa like you have it maybe flying over these islands instead mm-hmm. right right so they can avoid each other yeah but uh yeah oh, like okay. a, a captain oh, can yeah. just say like oh, um, we're just gonna turn a bit more yeah i i bet you it's more strict now but at the same time it's probably not much stricter i can't imagine especially since like yeah i don't know maybe it's probably more strict, but I guess, like, technology has advanced so much that uh, it wouldn't be necessary. Because, like, I think, like, when you think about it, I was just reading, I just read this thing the other day. Um, There's, like, this 70-year-old person that has, like, kayaked across the Atlantic, like, three times. And, like, yeah, his most recent time was in like 2017 at the age of 70 so he's even older wow. now but he's kayaked all by himself what how with a paddle i imagine <laughs> but like he just sleeps in the kayak i guess so yeah that is insane how long does that take how does he have enough time. food and what all well, he could get one of those straws that you yeah, know, you can filter the water, mm-hmm. but how's he? he huh? Man, I don't know. Catches the fish, like eats them raw. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What? Yeah, because no. like, uh, yeah, it's not like he could stop and cook the fish or anything. But he probably brings just like exactly what he needs of like just dry food or something. I don't know. I didn't read any more than the headlines. Oh, I'm gonna so, look it up. Yeah. That must be one heck of a kayak. Yeah. But uh, I'm just saying, like, that guy, it's not like he, you know, he's just... I'd be terrified to go He's probably not doing a direct... just take you. Yeah. Uh, He's probably not doing just a direct um, path either, right? Like, I'm sure he's going to places and, like, stopping little tiny places, you know, that are there, Mm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I... Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up because I really didn't read anything other than the headline. But uh, my point was, like, he, you know, isn't really following any rules. And right. I'm assuming, you know, if you had, like, a a, a boat boat or a, yeah. or a But yacht usually the or rules something. are different for, like, civilians than workers. Yeah, companies. But. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Um... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what was I saying? Oh, I was going over this. So, at 9.40 p.m., the Mesa Buh sends a warning to the Titanic about an ice field that includes... What time? 10.40? 9.40. 9.40. Uh, then an ice field... Two hours. Mm-hmm. 
uh, about an ice field that includes heavy pack ice and a great number of large icebergs. Wireless operator Jack Phillips, who works for the Marconi Company, is handling passengers' messages and never passes the warning on to the Titanic's bridge. Yeah, and, like, that's just really interesting, right? Because, like, I think, um, who are we, we were, we were talking about it last minute, or not that long ago, like, they really don't portray that, Mm -hmm. um, those wireless operators really did anything wrong, they kind of just keep portraying them, because, like, the day of, when Rose and, you know, the rest of the people are getting that, like, tour of the, of the boat, uh, he's handed a... Uh, a warning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was much earlier on in the day, and he and it does say that he received iceberg warnings in the day, um, but he just kind of blew them off. So like it, it does say that yeah he did um, get warnings, but it's just interesting that like they don't really cover the fact that like you know two hours before, like they don't portray that at, at all in the movie right, that he, yeah. two hours before he received a warning and just did nothing about mm-hmm. it. Like he didn't pass it on or anything like eesh, that's that's bad uh at 10 p.m <laughs> haven't muted anything my two phones that i've been using <laughs> uh at 10 p.m the shift changes on the bridge with first officer william murdoch relieving second officer charles lightoller as the officer of the watch lookouts frederick fleet and reginald lee begin their watch in the titanic's crow's nest the night is unusually calm, making icebergs more difficult to see because there are no waves breaking at the icebergs. Adding to the difficulties is the fact that the crow's nest binoculars have been misplaced. At 10.55 p.m., the nearby Californian radios the Titanic. Uh, this is the message. Say, old man, we are stopped and surrounded by ice. An annoyed Phillips responds, shut up. Shut up! I am busy. I am working Cape. Uh, <laughs> I am working Cape Race, a wireless station that is located at Cape Race, Newfoundland, Canada. Um, I think I alluded to that fact last minute mm-hmm. too. That he literally told them to shut up. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So now we're even closer to the time. Um, you know, less than an hour before they hit. Um, 11 p.m., most of the Titanic's passengers have retired to their rooms for the evening. 11.35 p.m., the wireless operator on the Californian turns off his radio, fleet sees an iceberg in the Titanic's path, and rings the bell three times to indicate that something is ahead. He then calls the bridge. Murdoch orders the Titanic hard starboard, which is to the left, and the engines reversed. He also closes the door to the supposedly watertight compartments. At 11.40 p.m., the starboard side of the Titanic scrapes along the iceberg. Captain Smith arrives on the deck and is told that the ship has struck an iceberg. Shortly thereafter, he is informed that the mailroom is filling with water. Other reports soon come in of water in at at least five uh, sorry, in at least five of the ship's compartments. Designer Thomas Andrews surveys the damage. The Titanic was built to remain afloat with only four compartments flooded. Andrews predicts, predicts that the ship will only uh, has only about one to two hours before sinking. Hmm. 
So, and then April 15th, 1912, at 12 a.m., the lifeboats begin to be readied for launch. The 20 boats have space for only 1,178 of the more than 2,200 people on board. Um, and uh, an order is later given for women and children to board first with crewmen to row and guide the boats. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this also happened in the movie so far. So at 12.15 a.m., uh, Captain Smith orders Phillips and Harold Bride to send out a distress signal. Although SOS became the official distress signal several years earlier, many still use CQD. Uh, CQ signifies a general call, and the D means distress. Over the next several hours, Phillips will send out both. Okay. Uh, the Frankfurt is among the first to respond, but the liner is some 1,000... Not 1,000. 170 nautical miles which is about uh, 315 kilometers away mm. to the south. Other ships off also offer assistance, including the Titanic's sister ship, the Olympic, but they're all, all too far away. Yeah. So I think that's about where we're at. Um, I'll keep kind of um, going through it kind of as we go on, and, and I'll kind of sometimes maybe we'll know the exact time we're at, and then other times I'll just kind of take a guess at it depending on, like, what happened. Yeah. Um, Did any of those boats, like, go? I know they, they're like, you know, we're far away, but did they still go? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, um, I think so. The next one is talking about 1220, the Carpathia receives the distress signal. Mm-hmm. And, um. They're closer. Yeah, they're 107 kilometers away. And it mm. takes them more than three hours to arrive. So all of those other ones, I guess, were, you know, more than double. It's also kind of crazy. Like, I'm sure they just didn't know where they were going. But, like, you know, they get into the lifeboat. And then what? Like, do they know where they're rowing? No, right? They're just rowing. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. They wouldn't know. Oh, Carpathia is coming from... Maybe they did know Carpathia is coming from that general the east. direction. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, whew. yeah. If you're out in the middle of the ocean at night, yeah, you and don't then know it's, what way yeah. you're going. And then it's like on top of that, right? Like they know that, um, you know. So here's the Carpathia coming, and it's like, well, we know there's lifeboats out there on the water, so like they probably can't go as fast. As you, right. Like, you want to respond quickly, yeah. but then it's like, if you're going too fast, then you're plowing through people in lifeboats, potentially, yeah. which yeah. wouldn't, you know, help mm-hmm. at all. But I don't know if that's and really a concern. It's just amazing, too, because lifeboats are being loaded on either side of the ship, but they all go in the same direction. Yeah. Which would be a further, you know, for one side of the ship is kind of a further, mm-hmm. but obviously you want to stick together, right? Yeah. Um, but it's funny too, because every time I watch this movie, I just kind of assume like, oh, all the lifeboats just row to the ship, Carpathia. Not that Carpathia goes, goes to, to them. them. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I wonder, like, you probably can't there. find this out. I know it says that they rowed for like three hours or whatever it was before being rescued, but like, how far did they go? 
Like, were they yeah. only eight kilometers from the ship? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, how far did it they actually travel? It does start talking travel? about coordinates in the last, or oh, in the okay. next thing, so I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if we can find, like, a Google map of, like, okay, this is where the ship went, this is where mm. Carpathia picked mm. up people, like, in the lifeboats, just to see, like, how far the lifeboats did travel. Because, I mean, I know a lot of the people who were rowing weren't experienced, as I mentioned the last minute or two. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, to row out on the ocean, I feel like in three hours you're not going, like, a crazy distance. No. But, I mean, it did say it was calm that night, so it's not like you had waves kind of pushing you back, but... Yeah. I don't know. We'll um, try to find it maybe if this exists for another minute. Yeah. Well, what? yeah. Um, I was just reading this quick little thing about um, their Carpathia was... Uh, did we talk about this? It was torpedoed in 1918. Hmm. So during, I'm guessing during the war... Um, yeah, I guess Did it was... Did it become, like, a military ship or, like, just carrying um, passengers? This is way too long for this, but it, it just says... Where um, was Carpa- uh, Carpathia going? We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we're going to say One this, of us I has think. to go to work. Yeah, one of us, yeah. <laughs> and it ain't me. Ain't, you know. <laughs> Wish I could be on maternity leave. <laughs> I have a baby. Oh, okay. It's that easy? Yeah. I could just do that? Yeah, if you can, if you can have your own baby... Go out on maternity leave. Life life hacks. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> uh, pro tip. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I guess that should just about do us. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. See you in a minute.